Hello. Uh, it's just me today. I got a few news stories that I thought were interesting. I think the most interesting is a podcast with, about Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes talking about her latest book, I think. But the point is, it's, as usual, amazing American history and stuff I never would have known. Uh, in particular, um, it made it clear to me what complete garbage I was taught in grade school as American history. I uh, Henry Ford's anti-Semitism was far more severe than I ever believed. Not only was he a famous anti-Semite, but he had an endless chain of series of theories about how Jews are destroying everything. And he had owned a newspaper, and this newspaper was thrown into the front seat of every Ford anybody bought and distributed all the Ford shops throughout America, all the Ford auto sales places. And he had like a 92-part series that went on for two years every week with another document about how exactly how the Jews were destroying everything. And this all was before Adolf Hitler started doing it. In fact, Adolf Hitler had a picture of Henry Ford on the wall and credited him with giving him the brilliant idea of blaming the Jews for everything and said in an interview, it's real important to have someone to blame for all our troubles. So I was taught that America was the good guy in World War II and the Germans were the bad guy and they brought all this nasty stuff forward, which Americans would never have anything to do with. And it's far more complicated than that. And knowing the truth about this would have helped me understand the enormous rise of the Nazis in America today. The, the, many of the worst parts of Nazism started in America and were adopted elsewhere. And the thing about us is we are all full of innovative political ideas for better and worse. And also, um, another thing brought up here is you talked about how the Germans actually sent a team to analyze the politics in America to understand how we can be such raging hypocrites. I mean, the original founding of America was to be on freedom while we have slaves. And there is continued. And the next one was after you passed the 14th Amendment and uh, discrimination against black people is no longer legal. We just institute Jim Crow and blatantly do it anyway, even though it's unconstitutional. And the Germans didn't understand how you can have a law and you can have a government that just blatantly violates your own laws and you somehow get away with it and have a good reputation. So they came over to understand how we do this. And I think uh, it's extremely important for Americans to have a view of what our country looks like from the outside, from an objective observer. And I'm very much against the plan of Ron DeSantis to institute the kind of education I got, which is a bunch of whitewashed garbage about how America is the perfect superior nation better than anywhere else. Uh, this has been a tradition. I remember my father said he wanted me to feel like I was better than anybody else just because I was a bound, and I immediately rebelled against that and never agreed. But this has been a popular belief that somehow it is healthy for you to have an outrageous egotism about your own life and your own culture and somehow believe that you're better than other people. I don't know why anybody thinks that's good. I can see how it might make you sign up for the army and support your country. I uh, That might be the way to get the maximum number of people signed up for the military is to sell them lies, but it wouldn't work on me. For me, I would rather have the truth and have a clear understanding of whether my country is doing the right thing or not when deciding to support it.
Anyway, um, so that was very interesting. And another thing which I thought was very interesting was in the Washington Post, and I put a link here that's a gift so you don't have to go through a paywall, about how a GOP's official wife, official's wife was in a month-long absentee ballot fraud scheme and uh, took dozens of Vietnamese people and filed absentee ballots to vote for Trump on their behalf, assuming, probably correctly, that they would largely not vote and not know what to do when they were informed that their vote had been fraudulently put in, but somebody did figure it out, and she was convicted of 52 counts of voter fraud. And so this is an interesting case. There have been several other cases of Republicans uh, putting up some fraudulent votes for Donald Trump, although all the cases I've seen are like this, tiny amounts of votes not possibly enough to change the outcome. So the Democratic position that I hear tons of on the mainstream media, that voter fraud is nonsense, there is no significant voter fraud, you do not need to have ending absentee ballots and uh, no making it difficult to register and all that jazz. And all that is just a way to suppress the votes for people who are sort of marginalized and have difficulty filling out forms and going to difficult places to vote. Such is basically a way to, to freeze poor people out of voting. And I think that is absolutely true. But another point here is they do, you could see this as a pen test. The Republicans complain that absentee voting is not secure, and then they demonstrate it by hacking it, by putting up fake ballots not any that different than any other pen test in a way. So anyway, uh, it's it's important, I think, to understand to what degree we have fraudulent votes and uh, cope with the reality of it. So OpenAI continues to be the most exciting story in years in tech. So now uh, some information is leaking out about why the board threw um, Sam Altman out and then Sam Altman threw the board out and came back. And what apparently happened, according to Reuters, and I explained by some more other articles here, is they, I've noticed the same thing. ChatGPT is terrible at math. Even if you ask it to give me like the third word in a sentence, it can't do that very accurately. It can't count numbers. All kinds of math is terrible. And apparently, they had a breakthrough at OpenAI they call QSTAR, where OpenAI can actually understand math. And therefore, you can teach it, say, the rules of mathematics, and now it can solve mathematical problems it never saw before, because it actually has learned the rule or something close to that. And they say this demonstrates a leap forward in cognition, which I suppose it does. And therefore, what they've been, the science fiction they've been basing their entire company on is coming true, where this machine is now getting as smart as, say, a high schooler, and therefore, it's smart enough to replace many humans at their jobs and cause the huge economic crisis they're worried about where everybody's put out of their job and AI runs everything. And I, I greatly doubt all that. I say, I'm not, I'm a, I don't think we're going to have AGI that matches humans. I think it's going to have to have humans overseeing it. But anyway, um, that was apparently the giant leap forward, which the board decided was extremely dangerous. And Sam Altman didn't tell them about it and didn't let them, you know, slow down or stop the development of this dangerous progress. So uh, it's interesting. I'd like to see what comes of it. It certainly is true that ChatGPT and the other models are terrible at arithmetic right now, and they, it'd be better if they would learn to do that. I, I, I'm very skeptical of this boosterism religion where they say that AGI is going to destroy humanity. And, uh, and I heard um, 
President Obama say that he, ex-President Obama said that he had been told by somebody important and knowledgeable that artificial intelligence was so important it was going to make as big a change to humanity as the development of electricity. And they're certainly boosting it in that sense. Um, but I've been through so many cycles of this boom and bust. They all have the, just like Gartner says, they have the period of inflated expectations. And then the trough of disappointment hits when you discover that this great new thing is not really the answer to all your problems like you hoped. And it turns out to be just another tool that you can put in your toolkit next to your spreadsheet and your uh, you know, coding tool that helps you write code and all that jazz. It doesn't turn out not to like completely change the whole world. So we're going to see. Anyway, um, the Anthropic is the rival to OpenAI that made the Claude chatbot. And one thing I've observed is at least as up to, I think, the 3.5 level, um, Claude writes better code than ChatGPT. So, uh, <laughs> um, but I, what I didn't know is Anthropic was formed of people who left OpenAI because they felt like OpenAI was not being safe enough and they're trying to make a safer model. So as a sort of theatrical protest, they've sent thousands of paper clips to OpenAI offices which is a famous demonstration of the the fear story about how dangerous AI is. There's this idea that if you were to program an artificial intelligence to make as many paper clips as possible, it would destroy all the humans and all the houses and everything and to turn the whole planet into paper clips. And of course, this is a sort of silly science fiction exaggeration, but it does represent the way a lot of these people think. They, they really believe that uh, we're going to have a science fiction future. And I heard something on... Uh, this Week in Google podcast, one of the many Leo Laporte does, as far as I can tell, Leo Laporte does 20 hours of podcasts a week. But anyway, he had a very interesting discussion and pointed out, I knew that Sam Altman was the CEO of WorldCoin, as well as other things. And WorldCoin was a cryptocurrency startup that had a globe you would get, and you would then try to scan everybody's retinas in order to make a database of all the real humans in the world. And I'd forgotten this, but I did know at one time the purpose of this was for um, AGI, um, UBI, Universal Basic Income. Uh, the idea was that you would have a record and a biometric measure for all the living humans, and now you could just issue them some cryptocurrency every month so they would have a basic income to live since the artificial intelligence is going to do all the work and humans won't have jobs anymore. This will be the way to distribute the universal income to everybody and uh, avoid people committing fraud and stealing it all because they'll have to have biometric identifiers that can't be forged. That's the idea. How much any of that comes true is not clear, and the actual uh, WorldCoin thing didn't seem to work very well so far. But it's all based on this religion, just like Elon Musk. The um, All of Silicon Valley leaders seem to be, at least a lot of them, seem to buy into this sort of science fiction boosterous future where the technology they're creating is going to create this utopia, and they have to think about the glorious science fiction utopia they're heading towards, which seems to me like a pretty foolish way to think. But anyway, um, so here's another form of deep fakes I hadn't thought of. Uh, this at nature.com has an article where uh, people asked ChatGPT to create fake data to support a medical trial. So it had a medical trial having to do with treatments for retinal disease. And uh, it turns out there are two treatments, and in, in reality, both of them are equally effective. But they asked ChatGPT to write a paper claiming that the first method is better than the other and generate fake clinical data. And they said it did pretty well. 
um, the, they were able to do statistical analysis of the fake clinical data and detect some hints that it was not accurate. But um, it certainly is another area of deep fakes that I hadn't thought of, uh, how to generate fake data to support fake science. Uh, that certainly is another concern. All right. And uh, the last one, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but it's important, is a Cheng Peng Zhao, the CEO of Binance, has pled guilty to money laundering. And there may even be prison time and there's supposed to be a $4 billion fine involved. So uh, he's the head of Binance and he has stepped down from Binance to face this. So uh, it is a significant step forward in the law trying to do some kind of regulation over the cryptocurrency marketplaces. And I know most of my students have lost interest in cryptocurrency in the whole world. They pretended it's over, but I don't believe that at all. It just, it goes up and every couple of years it comes down and everybody pretends it's gone. And then it, I think it will come back. I think it's already coming back. I think in 2025 or 2026, Bitcoin will be hitting um, big peaks again. Uh, I don't quite understand what drives it, but it does have a sort of periodicity of every three years of going up and crashing. Anyway, uh, that's all the stuff I had to tell you. I'll have another one of these on Tuesday.